1: Hello and welcome to yet another week of Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast. Uh, I'm leading the boat today, Steve Haller. Uh, Andy is not with us on this wonderful, wonderful Sunday evening. However, I am joined by the illustrious James Zuba and my co-host as always, Christian de Guzman. How are we doing, guys? Nothing says Syracuse more like a
0: snowstorm by March 27th. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Yep. That tracks.
2: Yeah, wonderful Sunday. Speak for yourself. We got uh, some snow overnight, chilly weather. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not so wonderful weather. But no, good good day and uh, good to be with you guys. And we got a lot of sports to talk about. So looking forward to the, the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're hoping that it all clears up by Friday. Obviously, that's when the... Um... That's when the spring football game is happening for Syracuse. We're all very, very excited for that. If you haven't seen it on the site, we're holding a, a meetup for everyone at noons. Yay! Oh yeah. In
1: person things. Yes. <laughs> Seeing real normality. People. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, for anyone that uh, that didn't catch it, we are trying to um, trying to put together a meetup. I'm sure we'll have something up on the site as far as more details, uh, as far as where we're actually meeting. Unless Kevin already did that and I missed something, and uh, you know, in the noons memos. Um, but yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody and it should be, should be good to, you know, see the, the team as well. So, um, I think all around Friday is going to be a solid day, but, uh, with the chilly weather outside, it seems like uh, the only thing that could possibly heat it up would be watching what in the hell Tucker Dordovic did this weekend. (laughs) I mean,
0: think about this. Uh, I will bring in James for the basketball talk in a bit, but Steve, think about this for next year. Tucker Dordovic, Owen Hiltz and Joey Spelina next year on the attack. Oh wait, no, yeah. Tucker won't be there. But still, Hiltz, Hiltz and and Spelina taking off what that they learned from Dordovic. It's
1: whoo. right. It's it's like the swagger the swagger is back and if uh-huh. it, yeah. if if Dordovic didn't immediately get pulled to the sideline and shoot out for him, making that play and attempting that shot even though it went in. And in the press conference, I believe Gate was like, "Yeah, that was fine." Um, yeah, I th- I think we might be in for some really really fun, uh, you know, show- Showtime Lakers style yeah. uh, lacrosse here. Because that the thing is, when
0: you talk about Gate. There's a reason why he's one considered to be one of the best lacrosse coach, lacrosse players of all time. And it was that creativity that he had, not from attack, from midfield. Everyone remembers Airgate. And he has more goals just like that, where he just does ridiculous things. Because as a Canadian as well, he's got to grow up in box lacrosse as well to be creative in tight situations and be creative with your stick. And so... To see a coach embrace that creativity is something that I think Syracuse lacrosse has needed, and that could be the kickstart to the
1: rest of their season, which is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And Well, they're going to need a hell of a kickstart because yeah. the last four games are <laughs> against uh, top 10 mm-hmm. teams, I believe. Yep, it's it's not great, but... That's the kickstart
0: for Syracuse lacrosse. The kickstart for Syracuse basketball for the 2022-2023 season is making sure people are back and actually going to play. We know the Bayhimes are gone, but as James reported this week, Jesse Edwards has confirmed he will come back to Syracuse for another season. Not like that it was in doubt, but it's good to know it than to not know it.
2: Yeah. Great segue, Christian. And I'm glad uh, you have my MO down, and, and that is not knowing how to contribute to anything other than basketball. So, nice segue, <laughs> nice segue there. Uh, yeah, shameless plug. We, we did report this. It did seem like there was some confusion over that, and I could have done a better job spelling that out. But, uh, you know, in the era of the transfer portal or when players can leave early and, and begin their professional careers, you, you never know who's coming and who's going. Um, so, when you do kind of have a scoop like that, it is kind of good to get out in front and and report that news, when did you have it? So we did learn that Jesse Edwards is coming back for his senior year, which which does make sense. You know, he's he's going to be a senior. Um, he'll have a chance to get his degree, uh, get healthy, reclaim the starting center position, um, and look to add to his game and and probably be featured a little bit more on the offense too. And would would be curious to uh, get your guys' thoughts on this as well and what the general perception is. But I think it's an opportunity for, uh, and we'll see who's coming and, and who's going and. and Uh, Who's staying else? But but but, you know, obviously, I think with with the rest of the roster, we'll see who's coming back. But I do think it is a good sign that, you know, no news is is good news for Syracuse in terms of nobody's come out and said they're going to transfer right away. Um, so I think not that guys couldn't transfer, but it does look like they're going to retain most of the roster. Uh, but would, would be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. I mean, I think with Jesse back, it's an opportunity for Syracuse to kind of run the offense through the big man a little bit, kind of like they did in 20, 2015 with the senior Raheem Christmas. Um, as we know, Jesse's been really good in the pick and roll, uh, really good anchor in the center position. Uh, we'll see if we get a little bit of man-to-man as well, but uh, I think it's an opportunity for Syracuse to kind of play through the center next year. Um, you'll have two senior guards up top, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, they run their offense without a Buddy Boeheim and without a Jimmy Beheim as, as Christian
0: mentioned. So you run the danger of putting the same player on the floor at the same time, but I'd be interested to see Frank move back to the wing, because you have Freda carry coming in, and he's seems to be being built to be a backup center in an eventual starting center. So I think that gives an opportunity for Beheim and the coaching staff to be a little bit creative with Frank to give a little bit more size on the wings, maybe a little bit more defense on the wings where that hasn't necessarily been a strong suit, especially from last season. And yes, offensively, Jesse and Frank are kind of the same person. So that doesn't really help like in offensive spacing. But defensively, where the team was just so lackluster the past couple of years, that could give a really big boost. And I think Frank on the wing would be a very interesting experiment. Now, you don't know who from Malik Brown and Chris Bunch are are going to step up as well. We don't know if Cole Swider is actually coming back either. But there there's opportunity to be a little bit creative with the starting lineup, at least initially before Bayheim figures out the eight guys he wants to play.
1: Right. I mean, inevitably it'll be, you know, seven or eight, but hopefully it's uh-huh. more than like three games of the year before we get to that point. Um, I bringing, bringing Anselman to the four seems like it seems like an intriguing possibility. And with Edwards, you don't have on offense, you don't have just a void like we usually have when we're trying to play two people down low. Um, so, you know, maybe the ability to, you know, work both blocks or somehow shift something around in the paint, it, it it's not like when Keto was in there or you know, um, dare I say uh, even Sidibe to a degree. Uh, there's there's at least offensive talent in there. Yes, they may be, may both want to be on the same spot on the floor or similar spots, but you know, maybe maybe they do toss that creativity card in there and see see what happens.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting when you mention Anselm to the four. It's something I thought, frankly, that Beheim would even try a little bit this year uh, when the you know defense was a little bit limited. Yeah, you know, I think I think he'd probably be one of the better defenders. Um, no knock on you know Cole Swider or Jimmy Bayheim, but we know how the defense kind of went this year. So I'm I, I'm actually. I think surprised. at this point
1: we have knocks on Cole, Cole Swider and Jimmy <laughs> Bayheim defensively. <laughs> Offensively, <laughs> like no, not at all. But defensively, right. but yeah. I think I think we can do it. Steve A. Smith meme inserted here. Let's <laughs> yeah. be nice.
0: Let's be nice. We didn't <laughs> no. have to go there. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. That's well, fair. well, no, that's all mean,
1: fair. fair. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but you know, it is interesting. I, I would have thought that, you know, Jim would have at least tried that this year, but maybe not. So we'll we'll see what happens next year. As Christian mentions, you, you never know, like Malik Brown might be the most college ready, but he's probably the guy that you wouldn't peg as as a rotational player, at least not right away, with Chris Bunch and um you know the, the longer and more wiry and, and probably the the more gifted shooter of the two um and then we'll see what happens with Benny Williams but it but it you know options are a good thing it's a good problem to have um and and we'll see how that shakes out with the uh, with the defense and, and what happens think, yeah, think I think think is that back line of
1: the zone like <laughs> if we shift Anselm to the 4 and Benny's playing the 3 that that <laughs> takes the length from what it was this year <laughs> to the complete opposite <laughs> And like a yeah. stereotypical behind back line.
2: And we've seen, too, like, you know, we are in an era of like more positionless basketball. But in the past, like, Syracuse has had those guys like early 2010s, around 2012, 2013, where, like, as you mentioned, with the Baikita, maybe playing a four and the Fab Melo playing in the middle right. or uh, when Rocky Christmas and he would play the four, he was kind of a tweener. Um, so it's it's interesting. We, we kind of are in an era where it's more positionless now, though, and. Uh, where you might be more likely to see that sort of thing. But Actually, it, yeah, now that insane. you
1: say that, without like before his senior year, Rack was always stuck playing the doing the same thing the that Anselm was, where mm-hmm. er, what we're proposing for Anselm, where it's like, Yeah, we gotta get him on the floor, but he, he can't be where he wants to be. So yeah. Or you
2: would see the Daywan Coleman and then someone at the four and then Daywan get pulled and then whoever was playing at the four just moved to center. Right. Center yeah. Yes. <laughs> Except, uh, 2016
0: Tyler Ty, Leiden, and, and then when day one gets pulled, Tyler Roberson transitions in there. Or you know, usually it'd actually be Leiden actually go into the five. I think speaking of that 2016 team, when you t- talk about position list, I mean, Syracuse is looking for eventually that point where they can have Michael Benajay play at the top of the zone again. And like, there, there's a world out there where you get really saucy and you have Jesse. Uh, Frank and Benny at the top, and then it's Joe Girard slash Samir Torrance and Cole Swider as, as the two guards up top of the zone. That's know the, the Miami Heat finals last year or the year before where you have
2: the guards playing the bottom and the forwards up top. Yeah, They're <laughs> really creative. <laughs>
0: That's where Samir Torrance probably plays a wing better than either
1: yeah.
0: any either of Bayhider or Swider ever did. Yeah. I no. think I think that's I think that's a legitimate world. But that's a big news
1: from this week, at, at least Syracuse basketball wise. Well, uh, no. That's the biggest news, Syracuse men's basketball wise. Because there's that's, some even that's, bigger that's, news. Yeah,
0: that's a transition I want to make. Uh but before I get to that transition, um Jesse Edwards again, back for a senior season. We're starting to roll out a couple of season previews and reviews Mm, for the men's basketball players as well. So please check out the site as well for some of those previews. We're going to do some for the women as well, especially now that they have a head coach that they are going to roll with for the foreseeable future. No longer acting head coach Von Reed, although he did well with what he was given in his situation. Syracuse finally has their woman to lead the program. It's Felicia Legetzak, who moves over from Buffalo after a great tenure with the Bulls down I-90 yes I-90 and he's trying to figure out <laughs> the interstates um, but Syracuse finally has their woman. this is the hire that probably should have been made last year a year late yeah but finally the right move
1: yeah and I think it if there could be a, enough of a no-brainer this was the no-brainer um, you know, Kevin. Kevin made I uh, I don't know if it was Kevin. It was somebody. Somebody a good point uh, in the slack of, uh, you know, uh, naming the interim coach uh, takes a little pressure off the 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 person following the person. Like, anytime there's a coach, uh, you know, that leaves for a good reason or a bad reason. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson retires at Manchester United. David Moyes, when he comes in, completely panned. The next guy. Also, Pan, So that was a horrible example, but um, <laughs> but it takes a little pressure off of legit Jack to be able to build her team and be able to mold this into what she wants to see. And she did have uh, a great tenure with the Buffalo Bulls. Uh, f- I think what two hundred one and one hundred fourteen overall. Uh, three NCAA, No, four NCAA tournament appearances didn't yeah, count four, this uh-huh. year in uh-huh. in there. So um, overall, I mean. It's, it's a good look. She did have a tenure uh, as the Indiana Hoosiers coach uh, from 2006 to 2012. That went a little less well, but uh, you know you could always chalk that up to, to getting your feet under you, especially as a younger coach. Um, she uh, floated around 500 there at 87 and 100. So um, I, I think it was probably the right move, and I don't know if anybody has disagreed yet.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to really add to the conversation just because we, we've kind of all hit on it and everybody thinks it's a great hire. But yeah, it's Christian, to your point, you know, Syracuse kind of got caught with their pants down last year and, and, you know, wanted to have continuity within the program for, for reasons that escaped me. But I think it was just a scramble and, and they tried to put Von Reed in place just as an interim head coach just for a year to. Um, you know, kind of bridge the gap and get kind of further away from that. Um, it makes sense. That's, you know, Felicia Legatjack had expressed interest in the role last year. She was very open about it. Yep. Um, she's an alum. She's had success. So um, it's a great, great hire. And, and hopefully Syracuse can get sort of the right culture in place. I mean, I think we know that was a broken culture before, and, and she seems like the leader to do it. So I think that's the most important thing. You get the culture. Uh, she'll get her people in there. She'll hire the right assistants and then uh, get the right kind of recruits in there as well. But. Um, certainly a step in the right direction for for Syracuse women's basketball.
0: Yeah, for- I feel. Like, yeah, I, the, the big thing about that as well is that uh, you mentioned that Lagetjak was very very open about wanting the position last year. Um, oh. There was a report I wasn't I don't remember if it was from Syracuse.com or another outlet, but there was a report that John Wildhack uh, wanted Jack as the uh, head coach last year and pushed for it, but uh, apparently the board of trustees said no. So there is um. So, the, so there's, so it's not a uncommon opinion from the, um, not just from the public, but from people high up in the program that wanted Leggett Jack as the, as the person to lead this program for the future. We saw it with the jersey retirement as well, the very first woman's jersey to be hung up in the Carrier Dome rafters. So, like you said, James, this is now an opportunity to rebuild the culture around Syracuse, especially just after. All the allegations that have come out and the evidence that's come out against uh, the previous coaching regime.
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's any better way to do that than you know bringing back uh, a local, you know, Nottingham grad, uh, local legend, and the first person in the women's basketball program to have her number retired at Syracuse. So uh, it seems like there's the history there. She wants to be here. We want her here. I might as well run it back and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, it will come with growing pains. I mean, there's a couple of seniors that have graduated. Both cars are in the transfer portal, as well as freshman Juliana Walker. So there's going to be another bit of time where it's going to be a rebuild of the roster. Um, and it's going to be a time to uh, just figure out who she has. and maybe, maybe some Buffalo players decide to come on over as well to maybe instill some of the culture that she built there in Buffalo to also... Uh, build up here at Syracuse, but I think uh, the transition will be a little bit tough. But I think there's for the first time in some while, especially after the uh, 2016 team, there's a little bit of rejuvenation and new energy around this okay. women's program.
1: Yep. Yeah, and so, I think we we did just of note this week. I believe there were three three players that did transfer away from yeah, the program. So both-
0: yeah, both cars and uh Juliana Walker. Yep. Um so Juliana Walker uh, bench player, not too much uh playing time. But both cars, obviously both starters. Yep. Uh both both uh, top scorers. Um much like the meds team, pretty much only the starters played. So again, much like the meds team, looking to avoid that as yeah. much as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I mean you were talking you were talking about like how You know, options are never a bad thing to have. I think Syracuse would have liked options at the end of the season this year. Because... No question. question. I mean, especially after you see what happened in the tournament this year, you had Miami hanging in there tonight with Kansas until the very end. Uh, UNC making the run from the eighth seed. um, The team that, while Syracuse didn't quite beat, stuck with pretty much the entire... Um, in the entire game, almost beating Duke in the ACC tournament, like <laughs> it's another one of those seasons where I think Syracuse fans are looking at this tournament and being like, "Yeah, this this was another tournament where a bullcrap 11 seed run from Syracuse could have exactly happened."
1: Oh yeah, and yeah, Miami absolutely. basically did it, didn't they? I mean, that was <laughs> that they and and today actually was the most Syracuse they could have Syracuse as far as mid 2022 season. Syracuse where they were up five at the half or up six at the half and lost by 20. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was a mirror of the, the first meeting against Miami, but uh, oh yeah. yeah,
1: Syracuse almost
2: had a, a combined seven losses to final four teams. If, if uh, Miami was able to hang on, they would have lost all final four teams three times to Duke and, and two times to Miami. So that might've been a, a program. zero and seven against the final four. I, but, uh, <laughs>
1: we'd have to check with Ray on whether or not that's a record.
2: <laughs> have to, certainly for Syracuse, I don't know yeah. if it an NCAA record, but um, As, know,
0: it, is there a like, is there a is there a world where Jim Beheim uh, takes a charge in his locker room like Jim Laranega does? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> uh, that that was
2: awesome to see. Yeah, yeah. For viewers that didn't see it, they they showed a, a clip of Jim Laranega giving a pregame speech to his team and. He said, ah, who's going to be the guy that gets in front? And then he just falls over in front of his team and pretends to take a charge. That was great, man. Jim is awesome. Like, yeah. great energy, always smiling, uh, kept it light. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it kept it a little bit too light. But they so just now, ran a good buzzsaw in the second half.
0: So now we know how to t- differentiate between Jim Beheim and Jim Laranega. Just ask one of them to take a charge.
2: There we go. <laughs> yeah, Th- throw, uh, throw the Jims in there and, and uh, Larry David and, and see which one takes a yeah. charge. We'll know mm-hmm. who Jim is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So in the so in the movie Larry David plays both Jim Bayheim and Jim LaRonego, right? I think so. Yeah. Double agent. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That seems um, the only way.
2: To to your earlier point, Christian, though it's interesting, I think Kevin kind of pointed it out too. It's like this is the exact kind of tournament where Syracuse could have got in as a ten or eleven seed, mucked it up, and made another Sweet Sixteen because this year, of of all years, especially, like there were no dominant teams. Like it's not like last year where Gonzaga and Baylor were by far and away the two talented teams. And uh, but no, this year it was like the the playing field was level. You know, we we saw the the upsets. You know, UNC obviously making a run to the Final Four as an eight seed. uh, St. Peter's um you know even someone like a UConn getting upset first round teams like that we we saw a lot of that this year and uh certainly when you have a a team like Syracuse that you know obviously we all know what this team was this year it was the defense that really lacked but uh you know if they could have just you you look back to some of those games you know like the Miami games two games that they could have won uh the Wake Forest game you know we circle all those ones and say well this wasn't a, a you know, I think the Syracuse team was a little bit better than their record reflected. I think we kind of know that, but it's just the defense and, you know, some late game turnovers that really, uh, really hurt the squad. But, uh, you know, they're probably like one piece away, maybe two um, of keeping like a Quincy Garrier to where they could have been an NCAA tournament team this year. And it's certainly a year where they could they could have made something happen.
0: Definitely. We'll continue with some more uh, tournament talk um, after we take a little halftime break. Thank our sponsors of Detroit News is an Absolute Podcast, Home Field Apparel, who continue to release all your favorite throwback merch and apparel. Steve, I'm pretty sure you have the exact read.
1: No, I actually don't. But uh, okay, <laughs> you know, it, again, something Andy always does, but usually it's pretty good vamp. Uh, yeah. Basically, Home Field is dropping weekly and will continue through the tournament. Uh, new new merch from teams, be it new teams, old teams, uh, anyone that they sponsor. Uh, <laughs> they did last week or two weeks ago pick up the, uh, uh, well, recently, we, yeah, recently removed uh, darlings of the tournament in the Peacocks, and uh, that Strut of Destiny shirt I still, still think I may buy just because. Um, but yeah, uh, I, if you want and enjoy really, really comfortable vintage apparel. Ladies and gentlemen, Homefield have released St. Peter's Joggers. Oh, boy. Nice. Oh, boy. Warning, on Breaking.
0: So, <laughs> That's a breaking. So, so well, if you... Yeah, In the lower yeah, third.
1: yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't have a button for that one yet, but uh, if, uh, if you want some really, really comfortable pants, they have really, really comfortable pants, and you can get a peacock on them. So uh, if you want to get 10% off of said peacock pants... Uh, throw code Nunes, and in the um in the the discount little bar that they have during checkout and uh you can you can have yourself a pair of very comfortable vintage apparel pants that uh I'm pretty sure Pregler no matter what he does doesn't take off so yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah or if times.
0: it's or or, if you don't want the Saint Peters or any of the four final four teams that are in the still left in the tournament, all four final four teams do have home field apparel shirts. You can still get one of eleven Syracuse throwback shirts, like of course everyone's favorite Vita the goat or the classic 90s Syracuse logo that I'm pretty sure the olds will like
1: I think I wear that I don't on think every many
0: other, <laughs> yeah Indeed. I think, I don't think we have Syracuse pants yet. We're still waiting for no. Andy to jiggle around with Connor or Reth getting an auto on the Syracuse pants.
1: What were you saying, James?
2: I don't think any Syracuse fans want any gear, uh, from the, the teams in the final four. No, that's no a Syracuse. Syracuse.
1: <laughs> no,
2: Syracuse. certainly no, no Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine there'd be too many Villanova Syracuse fans and, uh, yeah maybe maybe Syracuse fans uh, feel bad about the three title and toss some Kansas fans a bone. but I don't yeah. think there's any Syracuse Kansas fans out of
1: yeah, I'll give you that. the uh <laughs> it's weird with that with that final four, especially after this tournament and how weird it was. but um yeah, like and none of them have any crazy cool like vintage logos that I would grab either. Like I think I mentioned last week Notre Dame has that weird like dunking dunking jacked mm-hmm. Irishman. Yeah, <laughs> that I was just I, like, "Huh, that's that's weird enough that I would love to buy that if it wasn't Notre Dame."
2: I kind of like the the Kansas Jayhawk, the, the old school Kansas logo where the Jayhawks crossing its legs. I kind of like that. Oh movie. yeah, yep. But, mm. but you're right. The, the Duke Blue Devil literally looks like Mike Krzyzewski, uh The throwback. It's like they knew this was coming. They knew. They were <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah. it looks like an old devil, cold yep. coach looking guy. I don't know anybody would want that. That's not that cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well. Homefield Apparel, get all your throwback uh, apparel, uh, again, code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, at checkout for 10% off. We talked about the Final Four, let's talk about the Final Four and how we got there. Uh, Your Final Four, Duke, UNC, Nova, Kansas, the Battle of the Blue Blue Bloods, and maybe Villanova, depending on where you stand. We might as well talk about it, because that's one of the big talking points on Twitter right now. Is Villanova a Blue Blood? I'm not old enough to contribute to this conversation. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i I would say no and, and Steve if you disagree let me know but uh, you know obviously the the 1980s title with Roly they were kind of like a Cinderella that wasn't like a dominant Villanova team and, and not to discount the title uh, but Nova's kind of had this this recent resurgence that's that's all very impressive and all all led by Jay Wright and they've they've had some tremendous success but I don't know that that makes you a blue blood necessarily. Um, certainly not the, the same level of success early as teams like you know obviously there's there's Kentucky jokes going out there but certainly not Kentucky Kansas you know Duke and UNC um, but I, but I do think like as, as time gets as time passes you know and we we go out maybe another decade and if Nova has another title or another Final Four run in that mix. Uh, I think they do start to become a part of the conversation. But when I think of Blue Bloods, I think of, of history and, and success. And I don't know that Villanova has that same level of success as those other programs, although you would have to throw them into the conversation of uh, certainly a top 20 program of all time, uh, maybe even a top 10 at this point. So um, yeah. certainly right there. But in, in terms of Blue Bloods, I, I think there's only really four Blue Bloods in the game.
1: Yeah. And that's, I, I would throw them in the same conversation that we're in at Syracuse of like, and, you know, that we've actually moved down the pecking order recently with, you know, what's totally. been happening. But um, in that, like, uh, for for tournament terminology, you know, the next four out type thing, um, probably not next four, but, like, in that group of teams that's on that cusp of, like, yeah, they've been really good for a decently long amount of time. Um, and I guess it's slightly different than Syracuse, where we've been good for a very long amount of time. And, like, they've been better for a shorter amount of time. So it's kind of a weird, weird dichotomy between them. And uh, I'm, I'm also on the Nova out, uh, Nova out talk. Like the, the, the four blue bloods thing is, and even, you know, you look at it historically, you would have said the UCLA's or the Indiana's or whatever, like they're, they're in their own category too of, they haven't been able to sustain. Like there's been the, the history, but not, at the top anymore, per se. So it's kind of a weird one. Although I don't know, I think it officially. I think Justin Moore is officially having Achilles surgery now. Yes, so, he
0: is offic- He is officially uh, out yeah. for the rest of the tournament. Uh, yes, that was confirmed as a, a Achilles injury. Two second timeout, match. Christian a hat trick. Let's go, US. Ooh, perfect. Um, so I. Th- it's it's tough for me because I've only been alive for Nova's success. And right. I've only seen Nova's success. So I think you're getting you're starting to really actually get into that now new generation of fans where like they're now judging new blue buds as as Nova being in there. Uh perhaps soon Gonzaga being in there if they continue up uh putting ridiculous seasons together with Mark Few. You're you're slowly getting to that point where there's going to be new blue bloods being formed just based on the age group of the people that are watching basketball. And like in my mind, I've known nothing but Nova success since that's really when I started paying attention to college basketball. Right. So like you could definitely tell the younger generation thinks that Villanova is just a perennial powerhouse. You know, winning. What is it? Two national championships in the past like five or six years. Yeah, 2016, right.
1: 2018, exactly. Well, so, as dumb as it sounds, is it for Nova? Is it the same thing as Qs? where if Jay Wright moves on or goes somewhere, what's Nova? Like their success is, rose yeah. with him, at much like Jim Beheim at Syracuse. And if he moves somewhere else, what what happens to that program? And we'll never know until it happens. But it's it is a it's kind of a, a weird parallel.
2: Yeah, they they've kind of had, at least in terms of coaches, you know, they won one with Rolly and then moved on, and then you know Jay's kind of taking that mantle and run with it. If he leaves, yeah, they they probably take a step back and maybe UConn emerges and and kind of reclaims the Northeast and takes the top of the conference there. But um, they're still going to be relevant. But I think it's more there's more concern around Syracuse just because Jim's been there forever and he's been the only coach that's had the kind of success that they've had. Um. Uh, so I think it's. I think Nova, at least, like you know that they're going to be at the top of their league. Whereas Syracuse right. is fallen considerably. You know, haven't had a top five finish in the league since the first year since they joined. So uh, it's it's more nebulous around Syracuse than than Villanova, I would say.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And you know they they've had obviously three titles and in you know two thousand nine Final Four as well, and now they're here again. So they've they've certainly had more recent success.
0: I mean, it hell. should make for yeah, it should it should make for a very very interesting New Orleans next week because you have you have because you have two very intriguing matchups for two drastically different reasons I would say because Villanova and Kansas feels like Titans going at each other Villanova a little bit back because of the Justin War injury yep. but then when you have Duke and C, to a neutral it seems like Duke should win that game hands down. But then when you consider what happened in Cameron Indoor to end the season, that mess that same game isn't as clear cut.
1: Yeah. And you know, it just feels UN's... like we're gonna get Duke
2: Kansas though. I just yeah. it just I... feels that way, you know, like yeah. UNC took the, the last one, they left a sour taste in their mouth, and Duke's coming out for blood right now. Coach K all the storylines it just seems like we're going to get to Kansas.
1: Yeah, and on the other side without more Nova, I I don't know if Nova can withstand what Kansas can throw at him. It's I I feel for the guy like literally. I mean, I I did the same injury 3 years ago, so I I totally get um get that, but I don't know if I don't know if they'll have the guns to to handle what Kansas will throw at him. So. Yeah, I
2: don't think so. I think when you look at that game and it's it's so tough to see Justin Moore have that injury. They showed the replay and you just saw the snap. Yep. And it just reminded me of, of uh, I think Kevin Durant. It looked like the same thing. Yeah, yeah very similar. Uh, you could tell every, everybody knew. I think he knew he went right over to the bench. The players right after they won, they went over was a really somber moment uh, amid the celebration and it was like everybody knew that he was probably done. It was mm-hmm. really sad to see. Um, but yeah it just seems like like Agbaji on Kansas hasn't even had that the breakout game yet. You know, he hasn't really had a stellar tournament. It feels like this is kind of the moment, the big event where the star player takes over and kind of gets him to that championship game. They've gotten like Remy Martin's given them solid contributions. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Lightfoot down low, like those guys have all stepped up. So, um, it, it does feel like Kansas has more, more firepower and Villanova is probably going to struggle to score Not not, this isn't like the, the Villanova of old where in like 2018, where they just sliced and diced that, that Michigan team or passing the ball. South. We'll see, this is more like Colin Gillespie's backing down. They're playing one-on-one. They're playing like Buddy Beheim ball a little bit, you know, yeah, but it's, it's not that same kind of
0: team. I feel like also this Kansas team, just in general, as a, as a casual college basketball fan, this tournament, we kind of talked about this um, a couple of podcasts ago. I kind of want to get your take on it as well in a bit, uh, James. But like to a casual ba- college basketball fan, it feels like this Kansas team has been really kind of quiet this entire year. And all yeah. of a sudden, they're in the Final Four. And you're like, When you watch them in the Final Four, you're like, oh, crap. This is actually a good team. Why did I not see any of this this year? And I feel like that's what we're seeing with this Kansas team.
2: Yeah, they came into the rear the the year ranked, and and you know Agbaji was obviously a player of the year candidate. Um, Jalen Wilson was kind of that guy in that mold that was stepping up. Christian Brown is is really good. He's tough kid. I really like his game. But they have a lot of the pieces there. Like maybe not the the shooting that. Um you would expect to to maybe be a titles contender, but like the, the defense is there. Um McCormick down low is really solid. Maybe he's not like a Azabuke type where he just completely dominated down low. But it, it did seem like they kind of flew under the radar a little bit nationally. Maybe because we're all still so nauseous about all the the Coach K retirement tours, and that's that seemed like what really dominated the the sport all year during the regular season. But it does make you know total sense now, where you see kind of the run that they went on. They had a favorable draw, even if they got Auburn. Let's say in that that Elite Eight game, you know they, they were going to beat Providence. Uh, you know Providence was a good team. They certainly weren't a great team. And then, you know, even if they got Auburn, there was an Auburn team that was really struggling down the stretch, wasn't really much of a team, seemed like a bunch of individuals out there. So I, I like their draw. I mean, I, I picked them in the final four in just about every one of my brackets. But um, it does kind of seem like they flew under the radar, and now we look up and we're like, huh, yeah, why, why didn't we see this coming earlier?
0: Yeah, so I think we're all in agreement that should be a Kansas win just with all the, all the things that are going against Nova, unfortunately, for one reason or another. On the other side, before we get to Duke UNC, a, a moment of reflection and gratitude for my New Jersey team, St. Peter's. What a run from the Peacocks. Unfortun- uh, unfortunate to see it get torn apart to shreds like it did today. But you, you can't deny how just incredible the Peacocks run was.
1: Yeah, it's it's been special. It's been... Uh well, literally the first 15 seed to uh, to reach the Elite Eight, right? Yeah, first 15 seed to reach the Elite Eight. The only 15 seeds
0: to reach the um, Sweet 16 prior to St. Peter's were last year Oral Roberts. And then everyone's favorite, FGCU against mm. Georgetown.
1: Yeah. They did yeah. not love that team. Dun- <laughs> Dunk City was so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> And for Syracuse fans, probably even more pleasing to see them just absolutely decimate Georgetown.
1: Oh, it was beautiful.
2: So, Shout out Phil Cofer. Um <laughs> Christian, I, I want to know, before this tournament run, how
0: familiar were you with, with St. Peter's? So I told um, Andy and, and Steve this. Um, obviously, I didn't follow the program too much, but St. Peter's was the very first school I toured for colleges when oh. I was looking for colleges. So... I knew who they were, <laughs> and, I, and I, I'm looking at the bracket drawing. I'm like, wait a minute, that's St. Peter's. That's the that's the school. That's um, yeah. So I remember like actually going into their gymnasium to like you know look at like sport management majors when I was still looking for that as a um, back in um, when I was touring colleges and like I reminded Andy and Steve that was the team that made the that got the MAAC bid and not Rick Pitino's I- Iona. You like to see that. You don't that's... like to see my,
2: my Marist Red Foxes never being competitive in that tournament. And yeah, that's that's um,
0: yeah, I, that's something I can't help you with. No, I don't think Marist <laughs> could help itself with that either. <laughs> the The one the one lone Marist memory I have is them on a bad beat with Manhattan on uh, SVP's bad beats one night, and it was, it it. was just a wild like overtime game. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that that seems like the only way that, that that program will ever get a national headline or national storyline, something like that. But I, I like John Dunn, the the head coach. He he actually uh, I think he came over from St. Peter's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, kind of likes to get it done with defense, but it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle for them yeah. in that conference to to
0: get recruits and get talent. But it's a good thing for that conference as well because they're going to get a ton of money just from yeah. the elite eight run. And it'll be interesting to see where. Uh, Shaheen Holloway goes after this. I know it's almost a certain done deal that he's taking the Seton Hall job. Uh, but I know there were the... James, I know you addressed this on Twitter. The rumblings, or I think it was in our Slack, the rumblings of some Syracuse fans to have Shaheen Holloway come up to Syracuse, where he was, uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was, was picking Syracuse as one of his like final four teams before settling on Seton Hall and um, and going to go to college. Yeah. I mean, look, like... I feel like we kind of we tend
2: to overrate the coaches who go on a tournament run and then they you know go to a new school and maybe don't uh, sustain the same level of success. But but obviously for him, you know Seton Hall makes sense as, as an alum and he's familiar with the program in New Jersey area. Like that's yeah. that's a great person for them to get after Willard leaves. But not necessarily for Syracuse. Um, it does seem like there were some people that were excited or exuberant about maybe the – someone but you know throw that in the in the camp with like the the greg paulises or or something like that you know just not quite enough there on the resume at this point uh right. to get him in the door and and obviously a great run but uh, a tournament run that i don't really think that sort of success is sustainable uh
0: over the long term i saw way too many shaheen holloway to the next tweets that that's the, that's the one that sent me over like no <laughs> As
2: hey, soon as something like takes, this man. happens, it immediately becomes overvalued. It's the same thing with kind of like Linsanity and that kind of run. Yeah. It's like, I mean, oh, yeah. and, it's, and, it's. Hey, it's Andy Enfield media.
1: made bank. So yeah, yes. Andy well, Enfield that, definitely walked away with a lot of money. Well,
0: like, you got to remember, this is like New York media as well. Also like, true. Sensationalizing it. Uh, being from the tri state area, James, you're working in there for the past few years as well. Do You know that, you know. New York sporting success hasn't necessarily been a thing in the tri state area for the past like decade or so. So, anything remotely re- anything remotely close to it uh, s- turns the city into an absolute mop pit. So, yeah, <laughs> bing and, bong. yeah, exactly. Like you <laughs> saw it with the bing bong, and um, I-, I think that was that was like the perfect storm that we haven't seen from like. Like, maybe even since, like, the 90s, 80s, 90s St. John's teams, um, we haven't seen that type of, like, New York media frenzy around, like, college basketball because, really, there just isn't that uh, yeah. type of same college success in the New York City area. And, you again, you only really have seen it with those old-school St. John's teams.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that St. That Peter's uh, story is, I think, really the first, like, real college success that New York has really... I tended to in the scene for and, and some time.
1: I did not realize until right now, thanks to Wikipedia, their men's teams are the Peacocks. They appropriately dubbed the women's teams the Peahens. The biologist oh. in me is very mm. happy with this. <laughs> well done. this. This is what happens when you put a biologist on a sports podcast. <laughs> and also, all for right. the record, the first school I toured was Siena, so all Mac all oh. around.
0: Uh, all well, Macs. All the Macs.
1: What a great conference. It's a
0: shame that they're not usually um, athletically relevant.
1: Yeah, I was going to go play football there, and then they canceled their program two years after, so I was kind of glad that worked out. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's get to Tobacco Road. I mean,
0: no matter what team Duke was playing, you knew that the TV and media headlines were going to be salivating over it. Um, if you didn't know, because you turned the TV on mute for some reason, or you have avoided social media, Duke and UNC have never played in an NCAA tournament game, let alone a Final Four or championship. So this will be the first time in national tournament history that the two Tobacco Road North Carolina teams are pulling against each other. And if you weren't sick of the Coach K retirement tour yet, there's a lot of media attention that's going to be in North Carolina for the next couple of days. Finally, Coach
2: K will get the recognition that he so rightfully deserves. Uh, hasn't been talked about enough. Such an underrated <laughs> coach. Uh, hasn't quite been given his due. But now we know uh, most Final Fours of all time, 13 passing John Wooden. Uh, just a tremendous coach. Uh, we should all look at him with, with praise. Uh, we should all you know idolize Coach K
1: for all the success that he's had to do. I sense some <clears throat> facetiousness here, James. Shooting, I'm shooting in the dark on this one.
2: <laughs> so, you, you know what? It, the whole thing, I've, I've actually like got really bothered by Duke, and, and like many, I'm sure, have, have wanted them to lose um, just so we don't have to keep talking about the extension of the Coach K retirement tour and so on. And said, so, Shut up, shut up, Paolo. Don't, don't, he's the goat. No, shut up, Paolo. So, like, we we hear that stuff all the time. And he tries to, like, play it down. And I've, I've kind of, like, I've been, like, why, why am I getting so upset about this? Like, why am I, I getting, like, like why do I, like, hate Duke basketball? So I've never hated Duke basketball this much. Um, but I think it's kind of, you know, Coach K, the constant trying to downplay the retirement tour stuff and say, no, this isn't my season. It's their season. The stuff like that. And it, it just kind of strikes me as a little disingenuous um, I think he knows it's that it's about him and I think he likes that it's about him and he downplays all that, but also it's, it's the media coverage too and, and all the people who kind of like look to Duke basketball or like I have friends from this area that like Duke and it's like, well, you, you've kind of fallen for the propaganda trick and the cult that is Duke basketball. You have no connection. You have no alumni ties to Duke. You have no uh, geographical ties to a private university in Durham, North Carolina. Um, so it's, it's kind of the people that have like fallen for the, the veneer or like the the false um you know promotion of of greatness and you know obviously the success has been there but it, it's it's just a little bit frustrating when you see people that, that like idolize this program for reasons that are you know like like almost like propaganda or like you, you have no ties to this university you've fallen for the trick so I, I don't know that's way off the rails but that's that's why that's where the facetiousness comes from
1: yeah, no, yeah. that that tracks yeah. and like I I think anybody who yeah, that I I'm, yeah. I'm 100% there with you. Like yeah. it's and it's been one of those things for years where it's like I will always acknowledge Shishkeski is a very very good basketball coach and probably the GOAT. No question. However, yeah. the the pageantry just it's yes. like come on guys. Like just
0: What really upset me was it's, it's like, like it's like Brady returning to the Bucks. Like I get it. You're good. Yes, like, That's like, spend
2: like time, Go spend time with your kids, dude. Get out of here. Like, right. Go yeah. live life. But but yeah, what, <laughs> what really like is upsetting about like the Duke stuff. I think is like sort of ESPN and, and how it, it came to be and the coverage and how ESPN has ruined sports in recent years. But how ESPN started with the Big East and and how this all began and now it's like evolved into this thing where we're putting on this this display. Of the final home game of Coach K, and it wasn't even his last game. It was the final home game in Cameron Indoor, and we we blow it up for a, a full day coverage. And the the false idolatry that was on display, like we should all like kneel down to Coach K, and like th- that's that's where like I think some of this stuff is coming from too. Like we really need to pump the brakes on here. Remember that this is sports, this is college basketball. Let's keep it in perspective. Yes, he's an amazing basketball coach, but sometimes we go a little bit far with with hyping this thing up.
1: Yep. Now, yep. that said, what are we gonna do when James Arthur decides to wander out and uh, like he's probably gonna be the guy like one of the guys I work with at work where it just one day he just doesn't show up, doesn't tell anyone, he's just like the next press conference instead of Jim walking out, it's rest
0: he's, he's, he's not walking out to his retirement press conference with every time we touch. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I think
1: that's oh no. If he, but the... he he may and be completely pissed <laughs> off the entire time because somebody set him up for it.
0: <laughs> which which French...
2: Springsteen?
0: What is it? Yeah, which sting song has Beheim saved for his retirement press conference
1: intro song? <laughs> These things I don't uh... know. You're the Jersey guy. Come on, you tell us. <laughs> I can't tell you either. I'll be honest. Maybe probably, Glory Days. Probably. I was going
2: to say Glory Days. That's yeah, would be the one. But Jim's going to retire. It's going to be like after next season. It's going to be like a month or two. And he's going to come in and say, you know what? I'm not doing it. And we're going to give it to Autry. And that's that. Yeah. And there'll be a press conference. There will be questions. And that, that'll be the end of it. Mm-hmm. And he'll walk out. I'm interested to see. What kind of approach that he's going to take? Is he going to be at the games afterwards? Is he going to be a shadow over the program, or is no, he going have to be th- somewhere far no,
0: away? His pre- press conference is going to be at uh, Hancock International Airport, <laughs> and then a plane is going to fly in, and then off the plane comes Mike Hopkins. <laughs> that would be great. No, and it'll yeah, plane- it'll be
1: Weitzman's plane that brings Hopkins to the airport, mm-hmm. and then
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, the motorcade to the Carrier Dome. Because you have to hold that in the Carrier Dome. If you hold that press conference in the Mellow Cellar, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> Sounds right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, yep. No, that's that seems about about 100 accurate.
0: Yeah, but I think I think a lot of people are with the track of like, yeah, I don't think Bayheim's doing a retirement tour. <laughs> that's it's just uh, going to happen.
2: Doesn't want to bask in the spotlight. Wouldn't want to make it about it. Nope. Uh, nope. He's just going to yep. want to sail off into the sunset quietly. Yep.
0: Like I said, the spotlight's in North Carolina slash Louisiana, because that's going to be the game that everyone looks forward to. Um, you know that one press conference meme where you have that one guy on the side and then 200 microphones on the other guy? Villanova, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. Um, that's basically what's what we have here. Um, yeah, we all know what happened. Duke won it at Chapel Hill. Tar was won in Cameron Indoor, the final Cameron Indoor regular season game for Coach K. And there's storylines abound for this game. And it'll be interesting because it it feels like just the first, the team that makes shots wins, I think. Because yeah. it, it comes down to both guards making shots. Like if the guards are making the shots, you know the big men are going to make their shots or at least attempt to over Mark Williams and Amarna Baycott. That'll always be a great battle, but it's going to come down to the guards and can they make their shots?
2: Yeah. And as we've seen with North Carolina, Caleb Love has really stepped up throughout this yeah. tournament. Mm-hmm. RJ Davis kind of stepped up toward the end of the regular season and then it's been the, the Caleb Love show in the tournament. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think like it won't be talked about as much for obvious reasons, but th- this North Carolina team is really interesting for a lot of reasons in that, you know, it's, it's Hubert Davis's first year taking over from Roy Williams. Obviously, it's been an up and down season for them. They've kind of ridden those five starters. Uh, night in and night out but how about the run you know I mean an eight seed making the run all the way to the final four um, starting to look like that succession plan is is secure you know a lot can change in you know a year or two years from now but obviously making the final four is, is the first year is really interesting for that program under new leadership but uh, the game itself will be interesting too as you said Christian with the guards and on the other side for as nauseating as Duke has been it's it's been interesting to see sort of the freshmen step up um, like Jeremy Roach has been really crucial yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula Bencaro has kind of taken it next level. You know, this team, probably two two weeks ago, they don't make the plays that they've, you know, look, looking back to that Michigan State game, they could have easily lost that game, you know, especially if it was two weeks ago. But they made plays late. They made the plays that they needed. Um, same with that Elite Eight game against Texas Tech. Obviously, you know, Arkansas was a non-starter, but uh, they kind of ran away, ran away with that one. But it's been interesting to see Duke step up in those big moments with kind of a younger team that they've had. And now it'll, it'll make for a good game. I, I do think as, as nauseating as the coach K stuff has been, um, it should be a really interesting final four. And a, obviously a lot, a lot of people
0: will be tuned in just for, for the brand sake as well. Yeah. And again, like you said, like I, I've i been really impressed with Jeremy Roach, who really is kind of like, I'm not sure. I don't remember if he's actually like starting or not, but uh, he's, Like, he has really stepped in to, like, like be that third guy that plays off Bancaro and plays off Mark Williams. And that's really been Duke's X-Factor. Yeah, you know what Williams is going to give. You know what Bancaro is going to give. And now the guards are—the guard now is stepping up. And that—it feels like whoever has the better game out of Love or Roach is going to win their team the game. Like, no question about it. Um, And I think that's really where the game will be decided um you could go to like the coaching and stuff like that we all know what like the intention's is going to be on on k but <laughs> it makes kind of simply it's down to it can elf hit, hit his shots can roach hit his shots
2: yeah totally and it's it's interesting with roach because i, I feel like it kind of started with that syracuse game a little bit and that syracuse is basically saying we're going to take away griffin we're going to take away keels uh, we're going to try to clog it up in the middle. So, but Carroll and Williams can't get theirs. And if it's going to be Roach that beats us, then I guess you live with that. And it turned out, you know, down three late, he's the guy that hits the three. Obviously he's wide open and he, and he hit that shot, but yeah. he's kind of stepped up in that role. And I think other teams have taken the, a play out of that blueprint pl- pl- a little, a little bit in the sense that if there's going to be somebody that beats you, it's him. But he, to his credit, hasn't been afraid of the moment. He, he stepped up in the in big spots and he's made some some big shots. He hasn't been afraid at all.
0: Indeed. To end this off, I'm going to post something in Slack to both of you, um, because uh, again, you all see that James is here. Andy is not uh, because I believe Andy did get some nice, good old tickets to the Nets game today. Um, shout out, Andy! Shout out, shout out, Andy! And one of the things at this Nets game today. It's a huge Millennium Lego Lego Millennium Falcon cockpit that people are sitting in right now.
1: Okay, that's just amazing. <laughs> there's Andy I,
0: sitting in the cockpit?
1: Unfortunately, I do not see Andy in this video. Yeah, there's no there's no Pregler present. <laughs> but uh, if you if we don't assuming, find a picture yeah. of him in that, I am disappointed. I am highly disappointed. Exactly.
0: Maybe so I'm in a Captain Falcon suit. So, what so we've all seen the furniture things that Syracuse put in the corner of the dome for like the best seat in the house. What is actually the the best seat in the house? The best seat in the house
1: that you can't see anything from,
0: (laughs) exactly. Yeah, what is actually like the best seat in the house when if you could create like your ultimate seat? It's not if it's not the lazy boy in the corner of the dome or the Millennium Falcon, what is actually the best seat in the house for a basketball game? 300 level
2: nosebleed center court staring up eagle eye view of the dome Best that's seat in the house
1: absolutely i'm i'm i am and i'm the weird one that is firmly like 300s over everything uh cool. i i need to see what's that's happening weird. though so that's a good start because that rep- that replaces your All-22 camp that you don't A hundred percent. There's a reason my wife thought I was absolutely insane when we got our season tickets umpteen years ago. And I literally went in and walked around the dome until I was like, no, that's as close as I can get to an All-22 without having a field goal post in me. So, yeah, sold. <laughs> but the yeah, press I box like first. this...
2: There's you know the, the dome for for all its glory. Um, I, I don't know that there's many great seats in the house just based on the structure, but uh, I, I say 300s. Maybe it's a little bit nostalgic for me. You know, think of childhood memories as as a former townie who's now a current townie. Um, looking back, those those 300 level seats were kind of where we'd sit. But uh, you know, there's there's some obviously good seats. You know, center court. Uh, kind of that same level, uh, but you can start to get get on the outsides and you don't really have a good, good view of the backboard or the, the court. You're kind of looking through the backboard. And like With the media seating, too, I, I'd almost rather sit up in the 300 center court than the media seats because more often than not, you're staring through a backboard and you're trying to get a view
0: across the More often the than not, when I'm in the button. media seating uh, for, for basketball, I'm watching the scoreboard and the video board. I'm not watching the on-court action. That's, that's the, the only place
2: you can go to get an uninterrupted view is to, to stare at the scoreboard.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, what, what exactly.
2: What, what's the the best seat in the house in the dome?
0: the best seat in the house? Uh god, that's a great question. Uh because because the fun fact about me is I've only been to two games in the dome as a fan. Okay. <laughs> I've the other the only other games I've been to have been um the only other games I've been to in the dome have been as as a media member. But I I think the best one um, is probably the back of the 100 sections. Um, because I think it strikes that perfect balance of being just close enough to the action to feel right in it, and just far enough to also be that guy who wants to see everything that happens on the field. Also close enough to go out and get a dome dog. It, to it especially get a dome dog. That's without a question getting a dome dog. I'm assuming, James, you will be getting many or as many as you can... Suffer dome dogs on Friday if you're coming. If you're coming on Friday, so this is actually news to me. Uh, it's The
2: first time I'm hearing about it. Oh, okay. oh,
1: yeah, we were planning that in the football channel. Sorry about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I've been left out of the loop, but uh, it all sounds good. I, I just hope there there'll be uh, koozies
1: there, maybe t-shirts. I have koozies and t-shirts from the <laughs> of of the noon's ilk. So we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what can make it into the dome, but. How much how much new, how many min noons bucks are those? I don't know, talk 44. to Kevin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. At least Always 44.
1: forty-four. Always 44. I, I still don't I don't know what the current exchange rate is, but it's definitely forty four noons <laughs> bucks.
0: Yeah, so check the post so. on our uh check the post on our on our website, of course. Yep. Noonsmagician dot com to uh, uh, figure out where we're going
1: for the football meetup. I would like to give a quick nod before we do sign this off, though, to Mm -hmm. uh, three, count them three Syracuse soccer alums that, as of today, all but punch their ticket to the World Cup. So Kamal Miller and Tayshaun Buchanan uh, with Team Canada have officially punched their ticket to the World Cup at uh, the end of this year in Qatar. And uh, Miles Robinson, who uh, drew the penalty that uh, led to Christian Pulisic's second goal for the U.S. in the 5-1. Um, oh, it did go official, officially full-time yeah, now. <laughs> I, it was in mm-hmm. stoppage, so it was like, I was holding off till it went official. <laughs> um, uh, so Miles Robinson, the starting center back for the U.S. men's national team, also Syracuse soccer alum, uh, unless somehow the U.S. loses – by six goals to Costa Rica on Tuesday, they will be heading to Qatar as well. So, I if that happens, we've got a lot more problems than worrying about what, what a Syracuse soccer alum did. But, uh, yeah, awesome to see, and I'll probably have something up on the site, um, most likely after it goes official-official. Um, I don't know if I can turn something around for tomorrow. Depends on what the morning looks like and how early my son gets up. But... Uh, yeah, we, have, we went from zero all-time Syracuse soccer alums going to the World Cup to now three in one year. So it's Shout a good year.
0: Shout,
1: Shout out to Ian McIntyre. I was going to say, straight to Coach Mac.
0: So, what a lovely man.
1: Absolutely. But beyond that, now that you've listened to us for an hour somehow, because we always somehow seem to talk for an hour about <laughs> this stuff, uh, it doesn't matter what happened in the week in Syracuse. like we'll find a way to talk an hour about Syracuse related things. Um, but yeah, even if, if it
0: is, even if half the show is also saying, Coach K, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's all Coach it's K, all Syracuse adjacent.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yeah, well, I we mean, have
2: been playing Zone and we didn't talk about that, so
1: this is true. And people this I think true. are giving them way too much credit for that or trying to find mm-hmm. way too many Syracuse tie-ins to that.
0: So if Duke yeah. wins, do we get had like half the title? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh, yeah, that works.
0: No, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I
2: wouldn't. You wouldn't even want to take credit, but you wouldn't even want that. We okay. we don't get like minority <laughs> share in the trophy. title or something. Yeah, no, just leave that down in there, and we don't want anything to do with that.
1: Fair enough, but we do get more money for it, so that's nice. Sure, always Indeed. Is uh-huh. So that's it's always the the NCAA tournament conundrum. It's like. Do I root for us getting more money for the program or Duke losing? Usually Duke losing wins. the money's, going to, win. wins. The the money's going
0: to Clemson to getting more football recruits.
1: <laughs> there you
0: go.
2: Another barbershop and a five-star hotel on campus for the Clemson players.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Football course and all that so. There we go. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, you have so. to finance the Lamborghini somehow.
1: Absolutely. So we finance the Lamborghini by you guys liking and subscribing down below. And by Lamborghini, I mean not a Lamborghini. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching this on Twitch, follow us. If you're listening on your podcast, of your choice, please like, subscribe, <laughs> uh, review. You know, let us know what's going on. Uh, if you're seeing this on the website, um, you know, uh, if you feel made free this to comment. This,
0: if you've made it this far into the podcast, comment Lamborghini.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> oh god I love it but you know beyond (laughs) that you guys got anything else no
0: have a good uh, rest of the week everyone Um, make sure again if you're coming down to the uh, spring game on Friday come say hi and as we always end things off go orange
1: go orange get
2: yourself a dome dog Friday